is the West Side King's Church podcast, where we aim to encounter and embody the surprising grace of Jesus. I'm excited for this one. This is a big conversation. So uh, I am going to attach, while you're saying that, I'm going to attach something to my microphone because I'm sounding very uh, poppy here. So you keep talking while I do that. Sure. Well, and, and this is one, I think, you know, as we maybe look at getting started here too with the conversation is um, this is a conversation that I've seen on various parts of a spectrum, if you will, when it comes to um, how the works, their thoughts around it. I mean, I grew up in a tradition um, that probably underplayed it, didn't really talk about the Holy Spirit at all, as far as who is the Holy Spirit, how does he work, all of these things that we're going to kind of unpack and then seen and had friends in the other end um of the you know of the spectrum in some senses where everything is a spiritually charged kind of thing that's happening um both you know in in good ways and in negative ways and so i think this is an important conversation because i think there's a lot of mystery potentially Mm. around the holy spirit because I don't know. Sometimes it's just assumptions and tradition and things we've yes. kind of grown up with and, uh, and we've never really maybe stopped to question them or really dig into it. And so we just assume there's this weird mystery, um, yeah. to, you know, this third part of the Trinity, we seem to have a decent grasp on, um, God and Jesus. But when we start to talk about the Holy spirit, people start to go, oh, I, I'm not sure what I'm supposed to do with this aspect of God. Mm. So I think it's an important conversation. And also I think for, for a lot of us, there might have been some bad experiences of um yes. of that so i've been in pentecostal yeah. churches since i was like i think my first visit to church i was you know days old uh, and and so pentecostals have been my my people <laughs> for my whole life and um sure. and there's been times where i've been really comfortable with that and times where i've been not so comfortable with that and yeah. plenty of opportunities where it would have been very easy to go you know this be crazy i'm out of here <laughs> and uh, uh, and and so i've seen abuses of the holy spirit i've seen i've seen abuses of power uh, around subjects of the holy spirit i you know I, i've seen a lot of stuff happen that all adds to the kind of complexity and confusion for a lot of people as to what on earth are we talking about when we're talking about the holy spirit and what is that yeah what does that even mean and and sometimes, you know, what I, I think happens is because of negative experiences, a lot of people then will actually step far away from even engaging with a conversation or a question in that. And yeah. that then, I think, diminishes, you know, well, what God wants for that person in that sense. And I understand right. it. Like if you've, if you've seen, you know, some of the stuff that even I've seen in my life, you know, I wouldn't blame somebody from going, whoa, I need to keep my distance from that. Um, but the problem is in keeping our distances from, you know, abuses of the Holy Spirit, we sometimes end up actually also then keeping our distance from God uh, and how he wants to help us. Yes. Uh, yeah. And and just how he works with it, yeah. within, you know, kind of the world. And I think part of it, too, you know, without getting too far ahead in a conversation, I've always found mm-hmm. it interesting, you know, um, and maybe we'll cross this conversation at some point in the next couple of weeks. Um mm-hmm. But this idea of calling him the Holy Ghost, it too, like where there's this wording that makes it like almost more murky and more mysterious and kind of bizarre in some senses that I think. And I I know that there's, you know, some thought process as to why that name kind of 
came mm. to be and why it was used. But I, I find mm. it kind of interesting, you know, again, just yeah. adding to the layers of complexity of, you know, yeah. this specific topic. I, I think some of that comes, uh, I think some of that comes through Protestantism's influence on King James or the sort of language of Geist within German sort of kind of moved to him just became straight you know oh well that means ghost rather than sort of language of spirit uh, but maybe that's a good place to start let's talk about language um yes to sort of kick yeah. off with um so you know in terms of trying to chart the holy spirit through the bible uh you enter in encounter the holy spirit like right at the very start right so genesis yep. genesis one you know in in verse two right so in the beginning god created the heavens and the earth and then the earth was formless and void, vohu uh, vatohu, or something like that in Hebrew, just beautifully uh, kind of rhyming language. Uh, that, that, that just what what even was the earth? Uh, is some of the language around that? Darkness was over the surface of the deep, and then the ruach of God, uh, the, the the what we translate as the spirit of God, was hovering over the waters. Um, so, so the Hebrew word ruach uh, is, is a beautiful word. I, I love that sort of, you know, the kind of resonances of, of, of words. And a lot of Hebrew is, um, uh, is the technical term is onomatopoeic, which is just a, a, a brilliant word, uh, you know, <laughs> and you should try and use that at least once a day uh, in, a, <laughs> in a conversation. So onomatopoeic is where a word sounds like what it is, you know. So when you say a lion roars, roar is an onomatopoeic word because basically the word roar describes the sound roar, right? Um, and ouch would be a, would be another one when you you know you describe it. It's it's the, the language that you're using. And, and ruach uh, quite literally is the concept of breath, of wind, uh, and of spirit. So ruach, you can feel the sort of um, I've put my wind filter over my microphone now to help with my clarity, and really <laughs> yeah. ruining the sound of ruach as as, a, as an example. But yeah. but at some level, its most basic meaning is the language of breath. Yeah. So, so think about that. You know? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's a yeah, and then there's a, you know another one in Greek of kind of pneuma, which I mean, depending yes. on your own kind of church upbringing and stuff, there was even some videos at one point in time that were called pneuma videos, right? Mm. Talking about this idea of yeah the the breath of god which hmm. kind of an interesting it's an interesting way of describing the you know the spirit of something because we think of like of you know i often think of just breathing in and out but breath really being the life that sustains you right that mm -hmm. keeps mm -hmm. you that you're taking in all of the time that is yes. actually just helping you do um well every function of your life yes. in in that sense like there is there's nothing you're really doing without breathing except maybe holding your yeah. breath underwater but eventually you gotta your, your body needs it again to continue doing something like that so i find it such a fascinating description when thinking yeah. about you know the holy spirit in that sense well and, and the word pneuma is quite interesting um so you know like because we utilize that language in everyday life uh, the, the idea of, of something being pneumatic right um yeah is it is you know you know if, if you have a, a pneumatic drill or or a pneumatic you know those those things that go on i don't even i should have figured about this analogy before i started it but you know when you open <laughs> your trunk and there's those there's those little sort of pistons that push your trunk open that, that yeah. you use you know aspects of air you know it's essentially pneumatic means it's powered by breath quite literally powered by breath powered by air we would say 
Now, I think it's really fascinating if you if you roll some of that back, let's think about the ancient consciousness for a second. What do we know about humans? Not very much, right? Um, and to be honest, that's still true. We think we know a lot, but there's still a whole host of undiscovered <laughs> yeah. stuff, right? Yeah, but, yeah. But what we do know about humans is that when when babies are born, the ones that breathe live and the ones that don't breathe die. Okay, so if a baby comes out and it's not breathing, that's bad, right? And if, if a baby comes out and it is breathing, that's good. Um, when a person stops breathing, they appear to be dead, right? And so, so you can see the logical connection there between breath, whatever it is, when we take it in and then we spritz it out, that's something to do with life. Right. So, yeah. so when we think of breath, I'm not sure that in a lot of kind of contexts as a modern person, we join those dots quite so obviously, even though if we think about it, we go, yeah, kind of course, at some level, but breath in its sort of most basic meaning in the, the kind of Hebrew Bible is that it is, it's the energy, it's what, it's what makes you alive, right? If you, yeah. if you have oh, breath, yeah. you're alive. If you don't have breath, you're not alive, right? So, yeah, but of yeah, course yeah. they, but let me, let's put it in Hebrew for a second. If you have Ruach, you live. If you don't have Ruach, you die, right? So this creates a really interesting spectrum yes. for the Hebrew writers of the Bible to put together. Cause now, you know, in the beginning, God creates the heavens and the earth. The earth is, is formless and empty. The darkness is over the surface of the deep and the breath of God is hovering over the waters. And God said, let there be lights. So in, in, in think about that that was it alive was it not alive well the breath was there and then it starts to explode into life it kind of you yes. get this sort of this this bang of, of 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 now creation happening at some sort of level because in this early stage you know there's ruach there right so yeah. then you roll down into the second chapter so you've so what's ruach ruach's hovering over the waters right then you roll down into the second chapter and God forms Adam from dirt. And this is Genesis 2, 7. God forms Adam from dirt. And is Adam alive? No, Adam's just been formed from the dirt. And then the Lord breathes into his nostrils the Ruach of life and man becomes alive. So, yeah. you know, you've got, you know, Job talks about having the breath of God in his nostrils. Ecclesiastes yeah. talks about how, you know, um, and we still say this at funerals and a lot of funerals now, the language from Ecclesiastes, when you die and the dust returns to the ground from whence it came, you know, and the breath returns to the God who gave it. So you get this sense that in the in the Old Testament, the breath, every human has the breath, the Ruach of God is in every human. That's how we're alive. And you're kind of seeing this right? ancient mindset make sense of, well, if God breathes life into Adam, he must be breathing life into everyone. And when he yeah. ceases doing that, that's when our time is up. Does that make yeah. sense, Tyson? Yeah, yeah. No, it makes sense to me. And again, I think it's one of those simple things that's missed as as we read through the old testament something like again we can think of the holy spirit as this big mist you know a part of the trinity a part of god mm. when actually i think what is happening when you look within the old testament and mm. right now we're only looking in the old testament there's mm. there's way more to look at you know obviously when you move into the new testament when you, you look at again the creation narrative and kind of work your way through some mm. of the old testament it's quite simple in some mm -hmm. senses as far as how the Holy Spirit is working. It's about of 
It's about of what's giving you life, mm-hmm. what is actually right, like just day to day breathing the simplicity of that, I actually think is it a, is it a, is a great place to start the conversation to say, mm-hmm. let's not make this more complex than we have to, mm-hmm. at least at the beginning. Anyways, let's have a foundation that we all can easily wrap our heads around. Well, being careful not to assume that the ancient way of speaking is, is silly. You know, there's actually something quite profound about thinking in a very connected way about breath and the the sharedness of breath and the fact that that everything is and I mean, you know, a modern person might go, well, does every single human actually have God's breath in them, right? But but think about it in an ancient way, they weren't actually that far wrong. Without all of our scientific method, one of the things we know that sustains the entire planet is oxygen right Uh, like nothing that's alive is is really alive without it in some context you know we've got all these you know huge missions to mars at the minute and the big problem up there is you know we we don't have any oxygen if you don't have any oxygen you probably don't have any water either and you know and 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 it all starts to sort of get kind of really you know at which point you look back and go these ancient thinkers pre-scientific we're kind of not a million miles off that there's something happening yeah, in yeah. the air. You know? Yeah. And I mean, I think we overcomplicate it, right? Like I think, and I think oftentimes we make assumptions about the ancient writers too, mm-hmm. where we go, well, we have so much extra knowledge now. And yes. thanks to, you know, Dr. Google and everything else that we kind of have access to, we, we make assumptions about our own knowledge and assume that because of the time frame that these people would have lived in, mm-hmm. we would go, well, they just don't have the same luxury that we do, but that's not actually mm-hmm. always the case. And we've talked about that in several other, you know, topics yeah. to say they actually have a, a pretty good grasp of the mm-hmm. world around them and how things are functioning. They may not have had all the same language to put mm-hmm. towards it, but they have this way and understanding and explaining this is what's happening within the world around you. And mm-hmm. this is how it's working. And this is what God's up to in the midst of all of that. Yes. And, you know, I, I think there's there's sometimes actually a sense that we have become, our knowledge has actually disconnected us from a lot of this sort of thinking. Yeah. Because, so you see that, like, so Ruach means, you know, it means breath. <laughs> and going back to that language on onomatopoeia, it just strikes me. If you, if you hit somebody really hard unexpectedly in the stomach, the noise that they make is yes. Ruach. <laughs> that rush of all the, of all the air coming out is, is yes. Ruach. But then yeah. on a on a macro level, ruach in the Old Testament is also wind, right? Yes. It's, yep. so it's you know whenever there's a storm coming, it's it's ruach, you know, comes in, and you know the like like even if you look in in, in the Greek in Genesis two or Genesis three, sorry, um, you get this scene of 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 Adam and Eve are walking in the garden with God, and a lot of translations have it as God was walking in the garden in the cool of the day, but it's the in the ruach of the day, in in, yeah. in wind, in this kind of, and I love that idea of a cool wind. I was out with my daughter yeah. bike riding just before this. And uh, I, I don't know what it's like in the rest of Calgary, but where I am right now, it is not a cool wind. It is a positively strong wind <laughs> <laughs> Yes, that is blue blowing its way in and, uh, uh, you know, and, and getting to us. But, you know, what is it that parts the Red Sea? Uh, when Moses yeah. is escaping from the Egyptians, it's, it's a yeah. ruach that comes forward and, and backs that. So, so you can kind of you can kind of make some sort of definition of this language of spirit 
that we translate spirit as 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 force as energy as something of life uh, so yes. what does ruach mean and this is how you actually have to do biblical definitions yeah you have to what we tend to do within biblical reading is we get a word and we go oh spirit i wonder what that means and then we go and grab a dictionary and we look up what the word means and then we take that definition and we apply it to every time we encounter that word Whereas yeah. actually what you often have to do to read biblical narrative is actually say, how is this word being used? <laughs> right? How are yeah. they? So we see them using it as breath. We see them using it as wind. So is there a level of which, you know, we, we've talked about this is oxygen. Ruach is the oxygen of all things. You are alive. Trees are alive. Storms and nature is alive because God's Ruach is, is bringing everything to life. You know, yes. so... So that once you've got that definition, I think that you you kind of start to understand why we then talk about it as spirit, right? Because what we're saying isn't just, oh, it's windy outside right now. And my special effects are fantastic. Just as I started to say that, a big gust of wind blew past my house. I don't know if you can hear it over the microphone. I, I was thinking I, I think I think it's I was, I was thinking that would have been a great, great special yes. effects right there for a moment. But maybe we but, can add it. <laughs> the so you've got this sense of just don't get stuck in the nature for a moment. So you've got the oxygen in your lungs. You've got the wind that's the, and, and the life that's around you that's coming. So the oxygen in your lungs is Ruach. The wind that's blowing around you is Ruach. So the fact that we would then spiritualize that to talk about spirit actually now starts to make a lot of sense. Because, yes. because whatever it is about God that brings us all alive is unseen. Right. Yes. So in the yep. ancient mindset, I'd go, you are alive and I know you're breathing, but I can't see it unless it's very cold. Yeah. I can't actually see your breath, but I know yeah. it's there because you're not dead. Right? Yeah. Um, at which point the connection as to why we utilize that as the same word to talk about spirit to me becomes really, really you know, obvious almost at some level that we're yes. talking about what is it that sustains all things. And I think our dichotomized world would go, well, the spiritual things and physical things, the ancient Hebrew mindset goes, well, actually, it's the same thing. Yes, that animates all things. <laughs> so, yes, you know, you being you, it's because there is the breath of God in you, both spiritually and physically. That's what's making you be alive. Yeah, yeah. And I and I think that's a good way, you know, to define it in, you know, uh, in simple senses, obviously understanding again, the wind and the, the breath you don't always see except in Calgary winters, <laughs> but, uh, but is this idea of this, you know, this life sustaining energy, mm. that's really, that's, that's God's, that's God's right. And, and, and this is what you see picked up with, you know, in, in different Psalms along the yes. way, right. Of, of them talking about like, you know, in, in Psalm 104, if you hide your face from any creature, they are dismayed. When you take away their breath, they die. Mm. They return to the, they return to the dirt. It's this life sustaining energy of God. Psalm 33, mm. you know, by, mm. by the word of the Lord, the heavens were made their starry host by the breath of his mouth. Again, mm. it's this. And, and I think that's a fascinating piece. Even when you think about the creation, yeah. It's the speaking out yes. of God. It's the voice, which again is all done through your breath. That is, is actually what creates. Yes. It's not, I, it's not, and God's hands chiseled and it's God spoke these things. Yes. Into being. 
Well, I mean, the language of that sort of breath and speaking is very powerful in, in, in the Bible. And it is, and it's kind of exciting. Like Psalm 33 to me is, is always exciting because you now start to see the, the, the holistic worldview of these, uh, of these writers. And again, just be careful of jumping quickly to the all oh, ancients. They're a bit simple and a bit slow, but there's this sense of whatever it was that was hovering over creation that formed it. Right. Um, and you can, you know, and I think even as a modern reader of the scripture, you can sit really comfortable with this, whether you're, whether you're a seven day creationist or, a you know, God, God set off the explosion that was the big bang, where, wherever you find sure. yourself on that spectrum, you know, yeah. if you read Genesis, there's this sense of, well, whatever the Ruach, this animating presence was there. However it came to be, you know, I don't actually know, but, but, and even like, by the way, even if you're a seven day creation person, you still don't actually know how it works, right? It's just, right. it's a case of, it, it kind of seems to have happened. So the Ruach is the answer. I think it's still the answer. And then how is it that we have breath in our lungs and the answer is, oh, that's the Ruach, right? But then, but then by Psalm 33, oh, and actually, how is it that there's stars in the sky? And the psalmist is like, oh, yeah, exactly the same thing. Right? Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So if you yeah. can see it, <laughs> it's probably made from the Ruach of God, right? It's just yeah. kind of awesome, isn't it? Um, oh, yeah. I, I like that a lot. Yeah, <laughs> uh, yeah. Uh, you know, and, and so so you get this sense of of you know breath, you know wind, spirit, uh, and and all of that comes together because you then get this slight complexity enters that when you're reading the Old Testament. Also, you as a human seem to have your own spirit as well. So the breath of God is in you, but you also have your own your own consciousness. Uh, might be a well, way to, to sort of describe it. it. Yeah, and that, and that's an interesting one, you know, to to kind of to kind of look at because you often. Um, at least I've heard in, in different mm. circles and stuff, right? Like this, this my, uh, is the Holy spirit, you know, my conscious, my consciousness, mm. like all, and how this all kind of mixes together in that sense, because, mm. you know, yeah, there is this word of kind of your own consciousness that's used in the midst yeah. of all of it, where it starts to, you know, maybe this one's a, maybe the most, you know, or the most complicated anyways, at least as a yeah. early starting. I, I mean, I think, you know, in one sense, I think there's a sense in which your kind of consciousness, your awareness, your, your, you know, your brains, I think would be maybe the language we talk about, we, you know, yeah. in modern metaphor, anyway, we would, we would say all, all of our thinking happens, happens up here, um, which, of course, is really interesting, because slowly over history, it's kind of moved up, right? you know, so it, right. was, it was our bowels, and then it was our heart, yeah. and, and now it's our head. And, um, and, and so, you know, as science progresses, we kind of decide where um, where we think thinking happens, uh, which is right. fascinating, actually. The ancient world kind of thought it happened down where you feel it, basically, and uh, and we now think it happens up here in our in our heads, which might even say something about our disconnect between mind and emotion. But that's a different that's a different seminar yes. uh, that yeah, I need yeah. to bring some friends in to help us with. But <laughs> but this sense of there's definitely a sense in the old testament that there is the spirit the ruach of god is in you but you also have your own ruach you yeah. have your own spirits yeah. you know when david gets caught um in 
you know what I, I I grew up they they would call it the you know his 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 affair with Bathsheba but the more I read right. that story as a modern person whatever sort of abusive uh, sort of thing yes. happened between David and and Bathsheba David's psalm that he kind of pens off the back of this in Psalm 51 creating me a clean heart O God and renew a steadfast ruach and and David is not uh, questioning the Holy Spirit. The, the Holy Spirit doesn't need renewed. There's something about yes. David's own spirit. So definitely, yeah. I think within the Old Testament, you get the sense that there is some sort of partnership between the, the Ruach of God and your own Ruach. And you definitely right. need the Ruach of God. When that one gets taken away, you die. Right? But there's more to your breath than just the, the, the breath of God. There's more to your brain. Um, and, and therefore, I would be a little nervy at some level of just simply saying the Holy Spirit is the conscience. Now we can maybe push that in a little bit into that when we get sure. into sort of New Testament stuff, but I think the Holy Spirit can drive and form and shape your behaviors and your attitudes and your decision-making processes. I think that's very clear in the fruit of the Spirit that that happens, but yeah. I, I wouldn't want to minimize down the Holy Spirit to simply Oh, that's what, what what they meant by that then is what we meant yes. by our consciousness yes. now. I and would, I think I you see agree. that. I think you see that when you transition over to think about the the Holy Spirit's activity, the activity of the Ruach of God in yeah. the in the Old Testament is is very yeah. clear that it's something external to people. There's something comes upon them. Yes. Yeah. And I mean, this is both an Old Testament and a New Testament thing when mm -hmm. you, you know, mm -hmm. when you stop to look at it as far as how God's spirit works and entering kind of people right to yes. you know to help to help influence to empower to you know give them uh these abilities to work in the way mm -hmm. that god's you know wanting to help them work in that sense right yes um and, and you see this throughout various different points mm -hmm. um of the prophets in the old Testament of, you know, Moses wanting God's spirit to be on all of his people. Um, when you look in the, you know, in numbers, like you, you can just kind of see that there is this understanding, even in the old Testament. And oftentimes mm -hmm. I think that's maybe where there's some potential confusion in our understanding mm -hmm. of it is mm -hmm. that we often assume that the Holy spirit shows up in this way of entering people and influencing people, Really, when Jesus shows up in light pieces, but then more specifically in Acts, when, you know, when Jesus is, you know, breathes on his disciples and says, yeah. receive the Holy Spirit. That's where a lot of us, our brains naturally go. Mm -hmm. There's actually a lot of language within the Old Testament that's pushing this idea of, uh, of God's ruach. You really got to commit to that word if you're going to say it. Um, being, being Scottish helps. You can roll that ch yeah. at the end well. <laughs> I, I'm I'm just a cheater Scottish. I just have the last name that makes it look like I'm Scottish, but I'm really not. Um, well, in my heritage, there is I should say, but not me personally ever living there. But um, but there's this there's this idea right of God empowering people right mm. from the right from the beginning. Joseph Genesis right. Yes. God's spirit gives mm. him the ability to interpret dreams. And I think it's important to say that, that, that this is where, again, this is not ancient people trying to figure out language to describe stuff that we would understand as skill sets in the modern world. So so yes. when the ancient world says, when the ancient yeah, writer says, point. Joseph 
you know, was full of the Holy Spirit and was able to interpret dreams. That's not an ancient way of saying he was really good at interpreting dreams, right? Uh, which I've heard in yes. some language. It's like, oh, well, people were a bit backward back then. I always want to be very cautious of of saying of ancient people, they were just a bit slow. Because if you actually read ancient yes. texts, the evidence suggests this is not the case, right? So they're yes. very articulate in their language, very clear in how they're defining things. So so when you see, you know, when, when Samson, the God's spirit comes upon him and he becomes very strong, it's not a way of going, well, this guy was kind of strong. This, 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 <laughs> yeah, yes. You yeah. know, he really, he really benched some weights and it worked for him. This is the yes. ancient writer saying, there's something about this guy's strength which hasn't come from, you know, yes. from themselves. Uh, yes. you know, and it's even interesting, yep. even within Christian tradition, uh, you know, you and me had a conversation with children's Bibles just last week. You know, yeah. one thing that's true of every children's Bible I've ever seen is Samson's always ripped, right, <laughs> in all of these children's Bibles. And it's a really yeah. interesting one. Like, why do we do that? Because the Bible never suggests that that's true of him. You know, right. We just and, make assumptions. And, and actually everybody seems to say of Samson, but kind of feels like God must be with him, which my imagination of that is because he doesn't look like the sort of person that could do that normally. Right? Yeah, to totally. You see a big muscular guy, you're like, he's got to be strong. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You see someone who doesn't look muscular and is really strong, you go, that doesn't make any sense. Exactly. And so, so the Holy Spirit is definitely, um, you know, like Joshua is wise through the Holy Spirit, you know, but elsewhere yes. they've told you, Joshua is quite young, so the, which is a very ancient way of sort of saying not wise. Right? Yes. So, yeah. So, so this clear sense that the Holy Spirit is empowering people to do something beyond their ordinary ability. That way, I think yeah. you see that that sort of pattern in 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 the Old Testament sort of thing. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And I think that's you know, and I think that's an important reminder to know that this is like the work of the Holy Spirit in people's lives is not something new that arrives when Jesus, you know, shows up on the scene mm. and all of a sudden begins to start talking about it, right? And saying, yes. What you know, wait until you receive the Holy Spirit. No, no, no. That like they would have had an understanding because of how God's spirit has been working mm. for, you know, their entire history. Because yeah. they would they would know the history, right, of a lot of these people, of a lot of the stories of their, you know, of of, of Israel, uh, and and so God's spirit would been a, would have been a major part of those stories. Mm. Oh no, definitely, and and in fact, actually, when we jump into the New Testament, that's something you see really strong in Luke's gospel and, and Acts that he's clearly being governed and informed by ideas of the Holy Spirit. Uh, in the in the you know in the the pre-Jesus uh, biblical period, um, yeah. And then finally, it's probably just worth mentioning the Holy Spirit actually comes back around to think creatively, and a little bit of a throwback to our last teaching series on resurrection. But yeah. the Holy Spirit is part of creation. The Ruach hovers over the waters. The Holy Spirit is absolutely part of new creation as well, and and the whole mechanism of bringing in new creation. How do we get to new creation? The Messiah must come. Uh, so many of the descriptions of, um, you know, of the Messiah are about the presence of the Ruach of God. And, you know, we know, we know this. Yes. Jesus stands up in the synagogue and he reads Isaiah 61. And um, now, by the way, have you noticed what I do nowadays? I've just become so messed up with Isaiah and Isaiah. I just interchangeably use them and hope that nobody. nobody I, kind of... I have I have started to notice <laughs> just, like I, I, I spent impressive. my I spent my first year in Canada resisting and saying Isaiah. I then went back to Isaiah 
and and now I've just gotten lost basically, and I don't know what the right word is anyway. So, itseach. Um, uh, I'm going to now refer to him in Hebrew and just be done with it. But um, you know, the when Jesus walks into the temple, it's it's, it's Isaiah 61. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, right? And yeah. so the ruach of God is upon me to to preach good news, to proclaim freedom for captives, delivery, you know, for 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 the prisoners, and and you know, recovery of sight for the blind. Um, you know, the 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 whole root of Jesus. Uh, the prophecy in, in Isaiah is all driven by this by this ruach of God that rests on him, gives him wisdom, gives him strength, gives him knowledge. Uh, yes. So, which, so, so just as a just as a point of clarity, just sorry to interject, can please. be read as the first kind of understanding of you know the spirit empowering to do divine work. Mm-hmm. But when we think about it in a in a gospel sense of what Jesus is working, you know, out obviously with the climax at the cross and the resurrection of launching new creation, this is where the spirit, you know, working in new creation is also a part of what's happening within Jesus. Yes. Yes, definitely. Definitely. And and you see, so there's this kind of messianic, you know, ruach, but then there's also the forming uh, sense, you know, I mean, (laughs) trying not to get drawn back into our previous teaching series, but Ezekiel 37 you know, can yes. these dry bones live? The, yeah. the ruach of God is is the animating feature. The breath comes yeah. back into them. I, you know, and so so resurrection is defined, which is a key component of new creation, is defined as the return of the breath of God to that which was previously dead. And of course, on, at some level, if you've been tracking even the conversation over the last thirty minutes, you know, <laughs> it's it's absolutely obvious. All these dead bodies. If God breathes back into them, what happens to them? They all come back to life again. You know, yeah. we would say, oh, they've decomposed and they're just bones. That's the problem. The ancient mind says, no, no, no. The problem is the breath of God is not in them. The, the, the yeah. you know, skin and bones coming back together. That's not an issue. Getting the breath of God back into them is is the problem. Yeah. You know, yeah. Um, and you know, and you even see that to this day within medical science, isn't it? You know, when somebody stops breathing, like. It's an issue, you know, and even with all our genius, that's, it's a big problem for us. Um, yeah, yeah. You know, and, and even without trying to be insensitive, but, you know, like COVID is a, is a disease that causes breathing problems, isn't it? So yeah. it's like very front and center in terms of how reliant on that. Um, so I think, you know, that would be, you know, what do we say about the Holy Spirit? What do we know about the Holy Spirit by the time we get to Jesus? Okay, so so he has um, life generating properties. <laughs> the ruach yep. of God brings life, not just to humans, yep. but you know, even with our quick survey, you know, the Holy Spirit brings life to the universe, <laughs> stars, yep. trees, and and humans. So if it's alive, <laughs> it has the spirit of yeah. God in it, as far as yes. the Old Testament's complaint. But then there's a second sort of level where the spirit can also empower somebody beyond the normal so there's a very normal level of the spirit if you're alive you have the spirit so the spirit's ordinary right but then there's a second level where the holy spirit seems to do special things at key moments which are um beyond what we would assume of that person you know you've talked you talked about joseph you know i I talked about samson you know but these characters are all the way through aren't they yeah in in that sort of sense um and, and i think even you know, it's worth noting, even the prophetic language, you were talking about speaking, you know, the, the prophets are, are yeah. driven by the spirit of, the, of, of God, the spirit of the Lord. Um, yeah. 
it's that spirit that 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 gives them the words at some level to say um you know and then we have the other sense of the holy spirit driving into new creation through the messiah so it's kind of you know life empowerment and drive towards resurrection and new creation does that seem like a, a fair a fair way to describe it yes i think so i think there'll be one point of clarity we'll have to bring up at some point in the next three weeks just around you know this idea of if you have if you're breathing you have the spirit in you that mm -hmm. is uh probably nuanced language as you start to think yes. about you know, being filled with the spirit um and some of that language that we'll start mm -hmm. to bump into within our english kind of um you know yes. speaking around it but i just think but yeah, that's why those three that's that why those three points are helpful actually if you think about it because so you've got level one uh let's talk about level one are you alive <laughs> yes. yes you have the holy spirit in you um but there's also a sort of um uh, moments in the old testament where you know does samson have the holy spirit in him absolutely because he's breathing right so let's, let's work through our, our our mindset that we're dealing with so he has the ruach of god because he's alive but then somehow he seems to end up with additional ruach of god because now he starts you know yes you know, fighting lions yeah. and bashing philistines and stuff like that so there seems to be a level two ruach of god but then samson dies ultimately sorry for the spoiler um samson <laughs> samson dies as well ultimately so he seems to be short of level three which is what ezekiel sees in chapter 37 yes. of the, the the spirit comes back and brings him back in so yes there's nuance 100 there's nuance there but yes. the nuances are not overly complex actually and that for me is a is a key thing to say that actually when we just give it some space the Holy Spirit isn't as complex to follow as sometimes people think. So there's, yes. you know, there's the there's the energy of life. There's the empowerment for service, um, which seems to come on, and, and God seems to want to pour this out in a lot of people. You know, um, there's even characters in the Old Testament that just seem to be good craftsmen that have the Holy Spirit that's helping them do this. Yeah, just um, building stuff for the tabernacle. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. And it's like, yeah, you know, I don't know how HR gets past that, but you know, um, yes, I really appreciate your resume with some very impressive yeah. uh, table building going on. But where do you think you rank in terms of Holy Spirit influence and in all of this? Yes, yeah, <laughs> um, I know. So, um, you know, and then there's that third level of Holy Spirit through the messiah and new creation and so i yes. think if we can kind of keep that what i'm going to say uh, is that you're going to see that same pattern available in the new testament with the exception that in the new testament they don't talk so much about the spirit as just the the life bringing force there's a kind of sense by yes. the time you get to the new testament that seems to be assumed right yes yeah <laughs> yeah just, and i and i just i just raise it as a point important. of clarity because i know when you when, when some for some people they would hear what everyone has the holy spirit that could raise a whole whack of different questions that yes. i just you know want to make sure that we have some clarity on for those questions that may be raised it's people you know are 100 100 no and it's a great it's a great uh it's a great call and so um so right so then we move into the new testament and the new testament yes. sort of starts with a bang over the holy spirit like it's just you know right from the off you know you have uh well you know matthew <laughs> Matthew, yes. in a move destined for the ages, you know, what should I start this incredible story of Jesus with? I know a list of genealogies. Um, yes. And, uh, <laughs> it's going to be riveting and every, it's going to drive everyone in. It's true. Although I haven't said that, I have preached a sermon on Matthew's genealogy that if you do spend your well, time in there, there it is, is a lot of fun. There is a lot there, but that's, again, but not this session. Yeah. Things, but. Um, 
So, so when you scrape the genealogy just aside, you know, you get this phrase, Matthew 1, verse 18, this is how the birth of Jesus the Messiah came about. His mother, Mary, was pledged to be married to Joseph, but before they came together, she was found to be pregnant through the Holy Spirit. You know, so yes. right at the start, here we have Jesus is, is here, and he's here because of the Holy Spirit. And then you see that yeah. in Luke's account, and you know, you've got this kind of, uh, you know, Elizabeth and, you know, the, the Holy Spirit in John is somehow resonating with the, with Jesus's mother. You know, there's yeah. this strong sense of, uh, of the Holy Spirit driving a lot of this. Um, yes. Uh, you know, um, I don't know. Do you want to push that on any further? Is there anything no, I, no, I think, I think, I think, you know, this is just to go back to what you said just a couple mm -hmm. minutes ago. This is where you start to pick up on the new Testament, um, really driving this creative mm -hmm. aspect of, mm -hmm. of how the spirit is working within the world. Yes. Um, and really the new creation piece really starts to pick up as well, which we briefly alluded to. So, well, and of course, the creation, new creation thing, if we're thinking about early Jesus stories, there's another account um, where where you kind of Genesis resonances are are, are, are kind of riffing yes. quite strong in the story, right? Yes. Yeah. Um, yeah. When you look at when you look at Jesus baptism, right, you see you see that stuff happening within Genesis, right, of the Holy Spirit descending down, mm -hmm, you know, mm -hmm. as it says in Luke three, like a dove. Yeah. Right there, fun th fact, fun up. fact, right? If you just want, I, I, this is the most inappropriate time to mention this ever, but fun fact, Perfect. Uh, there is no Greek word for dove, right? Um, there is just, there is just pigeon. Um, and, and so, <laughs> oh no, it's not, that's not nearly as like fancy when you think of just pigeon, you know, that's yeah, not, it's true. but dove, dove, of course, is just a white pigeon. Right. And, uh, but there's yeah. something I remember, um, I remember doing that in Greek class when we all of a sudden realized. That's just a word for pigeon. <laughs> it's somehow, it's somehow the more really you know. good. Yeah, the more you know. Um, so yeah, sorry, but I interrupted. You were saying, so the baptism of Jesus has these resonances of, of the creation account, right? Yes. Yeah, yeah. No, you can pick it up there from what I was saying. I was just, I was just saying that's where you start to see it mm -hmm. happening and, and having him, you know, mm -hmm. show up. And then obviously it, it well, maybe I shouldn't say obviously, but it, it then starts to move into this empowering piece. So it mm. comes out of a creation right within Luke, within like a chapter of each other. Yes. You find this, this Genesis, this creation kind of, you know, mm. resonance that's happening at Jesus' baptism. And then this empowerment in Luke mm. 4, where Jesus is full of the Holy Spirit, mm. right? And, and is, as he's led around the Spirit in the, you know, in the wilderness, talking about when he's tempted for, you well, know. And, and of course, think about what Luke's doing. I, I think Luke is doing this. He is, he is mirroring the story of Israel, right? So, so Jesus yeah. is born through the power of the Holy Spirit. The Spirit yeah. comes down and, and kind of rests upon him, like in the Genesis 1-2. And then the next thing, we have Jesus in the wilderness. You know, uh, How long is yeah, he in yeah. the wilderness for? He's in the wilderness for 40 days and nights. You know, So, so like, yeah. it, it, like if you've not got kind of, if you've not got your sort of Torah, you know, the first five books of the, of, of the Old Testament, if your lights are not yeah. all blinking about that, wait a minute. So there's a hovering spirit, there's wilderness in the desert, you know. Um, you know, yeah. bearing in mind Jesus is in the wilderness, right? So the book of Numbers, right? In the just, just, just trying to join some dots here, but the book of Numbers in the, you know, in the Old Testament is 
is called in the desert, right? And that's literally its name. It's like, this is stuff that happened in the desert, right? And, right. and so it starts with a list of names, okay? And, uh, you know, and it's about the names. And then Matthew started, you know, with names. And that, you get what I'm saying? That, that there's this sense yeah. of Jesus comes, gives a sermon on the mount. There's this sense of they're trying to, I don't think they're making all of this up, by the way, just to be clear when I say that, but they're, they're, they're <laughs> yeah. shaping their narrative in such a way that if you're a first century Jewish person, like you can't help but think, oh, I, I know what you're getting at here. You're, yes. joining, you're joining the dots for me. Um, yes. So, so there's this drive then that you see, you get this heavy input of the Holy Spirit early in Jesus's life, ministry, and that then pushes its way out. Now, and Luke is fascinating to lean into at this point because for Luke... I would say he definitely wants you to see that the ministry of Jesus is empowered by the pneuma, right? By the by the ruach. Yes. Right? Of course, he always yes. refers to it in, in Greek, but by the pneuma. Yes. Uh, this is quite important, and this is going to be hugely important when you get across to Acts, because I just let me. I, I'm not good at remembering to come back to things, so I'm just going to dump it in here as a spoiler. But what's fascinating is what you see happening in Luke is then about Jesus is what you see happening in the church through the power of the Holy Spirit in Acts. And notice even, you know, Jesus's ministry, where does it begin with his baptism and the Holy Spirit coming down? Where do the disciples journey begin as the new church with the baptism and the Holy Spirit? And then, you know, and so Luke's almost trying to drop this thing that if you're going to read Luke's gospel and go, well, yeah, Jesus did all of that because he was Jesus, right? And Jesus can do whatever. Luke's going to go, ah, did he? <laughs> right. And I'm right. not trying to be blasphemous here, but if you look at Luke, he never leaves you in the place of, well, Jesus just was doing this stuff because he was Jesus. Luke wants you to get, this is the power of the spirit of God working through him. Yes. Uh, why, why does Luke want to know that? Because in his, in his sequel, <laughs> he's like, hold on, there's another volume coming in this next volume. You're going to see you now can do the same things. <laughs> you, you now yes. can work the same spirit that was in Jesus is also yes. uh, is also in you which again is pushing to the the new creation aspect that mm. the new testament is going to pick up on yes. that right jesus resurrection is the yep. spirit at work raising yes. him from the dead you just mentioned it right in paul yep. and romans talks about this the spirit right mm-hmm. that raised jesus from the dead is alive and at work mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. in you so it's this big push in understanding it seems like when you get to the new testament Mm-hmm. But the 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 stuff we talked about in the Old Testament, as you said, is more common knowledge. And the big push for the writers mm-hmm. is to say, and it's about new creation. Again, not to go back into our, our previous teaching series, but to say, actually, it's really building upon it when we start to mm-hmm. look at the understanding of the Holy Spirit, is that when they're talking about the, the work of the Spirit, yes, they're driving this new creation understanding to say, and you're able to participate in new creation mm-hmm. because of the spirit that's in you that yes. raised Jesus from the dead. Yeah. So, and in and, and Romans is, <laughs> it's like you mentioned Romans and that's my, uh, you know, you, you dragged us into Paul, so let's go there, right, Tyson? But the- Yeah, well, I kept you out of Galatians, but- <laughs> It's true, it's true. We'll get there, don't worry. Um, the, <laughs> you know, think about this. So so Romans chapter one, uh, you mentioned Romans chapter one, um, you're just fantastic. By the way, you know, reading Romans chapter one, one through five, just those first five verses, just phenomenal, the amount of theology that Paul crams into his opening to the 
letter. Um, I've, the, Paul, Paul puts more theology in the first five verses of Romans than some sermons I've heard and some sermons I've preached. <laughs> and uh, so, so, so Paul says, you know, he talks about Jesus, you know, born of David, according to the flesh, declared son of God with power at the resurrection of the dead by the spirit of holiness, right? So, so for Paul, opening lines of Romans, how is Jesus raised from the dead? Because of the pneuma. Right? Because of the holy pneuma, right? the, yeah. the holy ruach, or the, the you know the, the holy spirit. Um, so, so this is for Paul. His resurrection is his enthronement in some sense. It's his encrowning sort of. This is the holy spirit showing us who Jesus really is. Now, so that's Romans one uh, verses three and four, I think. So now you jump over if you kind of circle that in your Bible or or put a little exclamation mark next to it. Although that doesn't actually work. I. I went through a period of putting exclamation marks near to verses in the Bible to help me find them in the future and then ended up with just lots of exclamation marks all over the place. So that didn't help. <laughs> Have a better note, note system than that. But if you take note of Romans 1, 3 to 4, then flip a couple of pages over to Romans chapter 8, right? And in Romans yeah. chapter 8, verse 11, here, watch the, watch the math that Paul does. If the ruach, if the pneuma of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you. So if so, who raised Jesus from the dead? The Holy Spirit did. We, we learned that chapter 1, verse 1 of Romans. So now by chapter 8, Paul hopes you remember that because he says, if the spirit who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, he who raised Christ Jesus from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through his spirit his pneuma who dwells in you so 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 how do we have hope for the future boy if if the it's brilliant for paul well look at what the holy spirit did in jesus and if that holy spirit's in you guess what he's going to do exactly the same thing so yeah you see this yeah. again we keep kind of leaning back into our previous series but for paul <laughs> it's so hard to stay out of <laughs> right for paul it's it's basic mathematics it, you know a plus yeah. b so dead body plus holy spirit equals alive body so that's where, where, well where do you know those math from jesus paul well i saw it in jesus's death and resurrection right so yeah. so what do paul then say well therefore ultimately you will be a dead body at some point but the holy spirit in you guess what brings life you know, it's, yeah. it's, it's what the Holy Spirit does, right? So yeah. this new creation, creation force. But then Paul's not one dimensional because in, in Romans chapter eight, verse 26, so you just kind of jump forward 15 verses, you know, but what about now? So, okay, I've got that, Paul. Holy Spirit's going to bring me life in the future because yeah. he's the breath of creation. But then Paul drops us right into the present and says the Holy Spirit, the breath of God also helps us in our weakness. When we don't yes. know how to pray, God's Holy Spirit is the one interceding with us. God's Holy, Holy Spirit is the one that knows what's going on. So there's a yes. kind of future present dimension going on with the same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead that, that's in you. It's quite beautiful, actually. If you think yes. About it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then, I mean, we we don't have time and we're going to get do it in, you know, in another session, but that <laughs> then ease very easily starts to bleed into um, the, you know, as he talks about, he empowers you right in mm. your, in mm. your weakness, which is, is going to lead us. And I'm going to keep you out of Galatians for the sake of everyone's time, but is going to, <laughs> is, is going to start to get into those types of conversations around. And here's what it looks like when he shows mm. up in those ways. And here's how he empowers you. When we talk about, you know, yeah. gifts in that sense and how you're participating yes. within this new creation aspect that the spirit is doing yes. while he is in you well and this is that, why I, I like the metaphor of mathematics tyson because yeah. 
there's a sense in which for Paul, it is one plus one equals two. So what we saw the Holy Spirit doing over here, we should expect to see the Holy Spirit work the same way here. That's quite yeah. fascinating, actually, because the reason that that to me is quite fascinating is that oftentimes in Pentecostal and charismatic circles, and so again, you know, I said it at the start, you know, that's my background. So this is me being self-critical here, not, sure. you know, not throwing bricks over someone else's wall. <laughs> yeah. But there's, there's a sense in which what we have done is made the spirit highly unpredictable. Right. Yes. That, you know, it's like, let's have a Holy Spirit meeting and who knows what the heck will happen. Right. You know, yeah. uh, and, and therefore what we've communicated often is a level of chaos around the Holy Spirit. Right. Yes. And despite yeah. Paul yeah. saying in first Corinthians that, hey, you know what, actually, you know, God is a God of order, you know. And, yeah. And now, now, and again, now think about that. So Paul, when Paul's talking about how they're going to do prophecy and we'll get to this sort of stuff in, in future sessions, but. Paul says, like, it's not chaos, right? And when the Holy Spirit's moving in people, yes. it's not chaos, it's ordered. Now, yes. now why, why, why does Paul think to say that? Well, think about this. Go, go all the way back to Genesis chapter 1. What did we have yeah. in Genesis chapter 1? Chaos, right? Um, the, the chaos camp, as it's called in, in, in certain academic circles, the earth was void and formless. And what did yeah. the Holy Spirit do? Brought order. Right. So yeah. again, don't want to get caught up in the, you know, seven days versus evolution debate. Like all of that makes no difference to Genesis, in my opinion, because Genesis is a beautiful theological introduction to how God is, right? Regardless yes. of the science yes. of how it worked, you know, that God brought order to chaos, right? And how yes. did he do that? Yeah. Because the Ruach was hovering over the waters. So, so Paul's like, so this, so what are all that we know about the Holy Spirit brings order. <laughs> it's like, you know, the people of God are in being oppressed and all of a sudden a prophet rises up for the Holy Spirit and he, and he turns over that, you know, <laughs> you know, whoever that prophet is, whoever they are, he or she comes in and they, they bring back order again they bring they reset justice new creation is about justice coming to coming to everything you, you know you see so you, so you track with this tyson yeah paul's like so if the holy spirit comes in a church meeting and it turns to chaos yeah like whoa just be a little careful there so so for me as somebody who grew up within a holy spirit experience was very chaotic there's something quite comforting to actually see that 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 Paul wants to say there's a predictability to the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit yes. will keep doing what the Holy Spirit has always done. He will, yes. he will speak truth. Uh, he will drive us into truth. He will yes. bring life. He will bring restoration. He'll bring justice. I think, I think that's quite, it's quite profound actually um, yes. in, in that sort of sense. Um, yeah. And I, and I think that's probably a, you know, a good spot for us to land the plane for at least, you know, this first session in that to say, when it comes to the Holy Spirit, there is that predictability piece to it. There mm -hmm. is a way that you can say, we know that this is how he shows up. Well, there's consistency. God acts yeah, through yes. the Spirit with consistency throughout the scripture.